God creates times and he creates seasons for each and every one of us. You think about that. Creates times and seasons for every one of us. Very interesting scripture here in the book of Daniel chapter 2. In chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar, the king here, was, had a dream. Nobody could interpret it. God revealed the dream to Daniel. And long about verse number 20, Daniel answered. After he understood what the dream was, he, he began to bless the Lord. And he answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. Watch this. He changes the times and he changes the seasons. He removes kings and he raises them up. He gives wisdom to the wise. Knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness. And light dwells with him. Daniel said, I thank you and I praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might. And now you have made known to me what we ask of you. For you have made known to us the king's demands. Father, I want to ask you over the next few moments to anoint me, touch my tongue, help me to say the things that needs to be said, help me to leave off the things that needs to be left off, and help us as your people today to get an understanding of who you are, who you really are. Your word tells us that you depose kings and you raise them up. Lord, I said last week that whatever's in our hands, sometimes you can blow away. We don't need to get comfortable and take for granted the things that we have today. The time is short. Your return is near. And we need to look to you, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. God, help your people today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you, guys. Amen. I know you know this, but let me remind you that the sun and moon were created to give light to the earth. They were created to separate day from night, to serve as signs, as mark seasons, days, and years. And just, I'm just simply entitling this message, Times and Seasons. Time is one of those temporary interruptions of eternity. It is a commodity, if you will, that, that can neither be bought or can neither be sold. The only thing you can do with time is to use it. And if you don't use it, everybody knows you lose it. If time doesn't work in your favor, it'll work against you. Time and seasons are instruments of measurement, assessment, planning, and perfection. Time is an effective tool in the hands of God in planning and executing His plans. You say, Pastor, where, where are you going with this? Just hang on. I'm going somewhere. If God did not create time, if he didn't create seasons, there will be no end to terror. There'd be no end to sickness. There'd be no end to disease or misfortune. There'd be no end to quarrels or poverty or failure or disappointment or weakness even. In fact, there would be no end even to evil. 
If the earth was designed to be like heaven, a, a timeless realm, then there would be no end to evil or unpleasant circumstances or poverty or sorrow, and sickness would never, ever end. Nothing would ever change. Change is impossible when you think about it in the terms of eternity, though. Anything in eternity stays on. Time is a temporary interruption in eternity. In eternity. It is an instrument in measuring, assessing. It's an instrument in planning and perfecting the inhabitants of the earth. In time, change is possible. Anything you don't want in time can be eliminated, right? In time, nothing is permanent. No condition is permanent. In time, a failure can become a success. In time, a child can become an adult. In time, the sick can be healed. In time, the imprisoned, the oppressed, the afflicted can be delivered and have reign in this life. In time, you cannot see in your today what can be seen in tomorrow. You can take advantage of time and seasons to change your circumstances and put in place what you long to see that is not in existence if you wait enough time. Use time today. Don't waste your time. Matter of fact, the Bible says redeem the time in Ephesians 5, 16 because the days are evil. Don't let the time slip through your hands. Make the most of every opportunity and don't let your God-given responsibilities and opportunities simply slip through your hands. Pastor, where are you going? Hang on, I'm going somewhere. Change is inevitable. Somebody say amen. It's inevitable. How do you know that? You don't look the same that you looked to 15 years ago. You don't look like you looked when you was born, right? You've changed some. There's some of you that's gained weight, some of you that's lost weight. I ain't going to say who. There's some of you that had hair on your head, some of you don't have hair on your head anymore. Some of you that used to have no wrinkles got wrinkles today. Change will change you. Amen. Time will change you. And the most powerful realities on earth today are time and seasons. The most predictable truth on earth is change. Change is inevitable. Everything in creation will change. Nothing remains the same. No doubt in 2017, there will be some changes that will take place. There will be some political changes. There will be some legal changes. There will be some social changes. There will be some moral and religious changes. There will be some spiritual and climatic changes and environmental changes that will occur all around the nations of the world in 2017. Change is the greatest challenge of our time. And one thing certain that the scriptures make distinction between the temporal and the eternal. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that things that are seen are temporal, but things that are not seen are eternal. So time clearly does not relate to God and man in the same way. We understand that. We don't relate the same way. When you describe God, the psalmist said, he's from everlasting to everlasting. You are. The eternity is endless, but time is measured by beginning and an end. Matter of fact, the Bible begins with these words in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that in the beginning, 
God created the heavens and he created the earth. Can I tell you this morning that God has his hands in the affairs of everything that's going on in heaven. And can I also tell you that God has his hands of everything that's going on in the affairs of government today. And can I also tell you that God has his hands on everything that's going on in your life today. And can I also tell you that God understands everything about your family situation today. And can I also tell you that through the good times and through the bad times, he is still God today. He is still Lord today. He is still supreme over every one of our lives today. Amen. He's still God. When you look here in the book of Daniel, it emphasizes the sovereignty of God. God is called the living God. He's called the most high God. He's called the God of heaven. He's called the king of heaven. And this sovereign God is in control. Amen. Even in the mighty human empires that we may think that we build today, God still is in control. He puts down kings and he raises them up. Amen. The Bible tells us that. The scripture says he changes times. He changes season. He deposes kings and he sets up kings. He emphasizes the certainty of God's coming kingdom in this chapter here. The Bible says, In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Hallelujah. Nor shall his kingdom be left to another people. It shall crush all the other kingdoms all around. It will crush them even to the end. And it shall stand forever. Hey, let me encourage you today. You are serving a good God over a good kingdom today. Your kingdom will last. Your kingdom will stand. My Bible tells me he's preparing for me a place that I can go. He's preparing that mansion. He's preparing heaven so that God's people can once be there. Amen. 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 Now when you think about this guy, Daniel, Daniel, he was a guy that had some really amazing qualities about him. Daniel was used as a vehicle, if you will. And through this, he reveals the unfolding of the redemptive plan of history. Now that's a, that's a big assignment in itself. In chapter 1, we can see the circumstances that, that Daniel was in the right place. Daniel had this amazing commitment to righteousness. He had this amazing commitment to, to live a virtuous life. He had this amazing commitment for his character that he had set in an uncompromising standard. Didn't matter what what everybody else was doing. Some of y'all missed that right there. We live in a world where everybody thinks you can do your own thing. And everything's okay because we serve a God of love. It ain't okay. It ain't okay. God's word tells us differently. We're supposed to stand apart, right? We're supposed to stand out. There's some things, Brother Sam, going on in this world I don't need to be a part of. Amen. Because my word tells me I don't need to be a part of it. Daniel was one of these guys. No matter what else was going on, Daniel had a standard that he was going to live by. What's your standard today? What will cause you to to get off your horse, so to speak? What's going to cause you to get off the path that God has led you down? Is it going to be some guy? Is it going to be some girl? Is it going to be some kind of business deal that you make? Come on. What is the standard that you and I are going to live by today? 
And Daniel here, he had this supernatural ability that allowed him to have knowledge. It allowed him to have skill. It allowed him to have a wisdom that every leader needed to have in order to get to the top as Daniel was headed. The God of Daniel is the God of sovereign power today. Amen. He's still God. He's the God who rules the nations. He's the God who rules the universe. He's got the power to remove a king and replace him with another. He's got the power to crush the pride of earthly rulers today. He is the God that reveals secrets today. He's the God and all the secrets of the universe are simply known to God. All the past, all the present and even the future are simply known to God. He still can tell destinies of what's fixing to happen. Amen. And so then, Pastor, the book of Daniel and, and this guy, Daniel, in the face of recent changes in our government, in the world all around us, these things that's going on with ISIS and terrorism, not knowing what the new year will bring, not knowing what this guy Donald Trump's going to do, not knowing what the stock market is going to do, the unsettlement and all of these things, not knowing about the future, all of this uncertainty, what in the world are we supposed to do? Now, I don't, mean to, I don't mean to poke fun this morning at anybody. So, so please, if, if, if this bothers you a little bit, just let it uh, run off you like a, like a duck feather with water, you know, going down. I, 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 get, I got tickled. Yes, whatever. Thank you. Y'all understand what I mean. I got tickled at some of the posts on Facebook about this political election. I got tickled at watching some of the protests. Some of it made me mad, but some of them got tickled about it. I got a little tickled about folks having to take off work the next day. Can't handle it. And again, I'm not, I don't care who your man is. It did, that, that, that's not my point this morning. But I want you to understand, if that's the case, who is this God that we're serving? Do we not think that God's still in control? Do we not understand that God is still our creator? And so in the face of all of this, what in the world am I supposed to do? If you'll turn over in the book of Luke chapter 21, there's a little story that begins that Jesus begins watching this little widow woman put her two mites. Brother Rains alluded to it just a few minutes ago. Put her little two mites in, in this treasury. And these are the words that he said. Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than you all. For all these out of their abundance have put in their offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. We left that little scene, that little story, and they begin to leave the temple area of that day. This magnificent building of that day. And they begin to walk away from it. And as they were in the process of walking away of this magnificent building, this complex some begin to speak about the temple and how it was beautiful and how it was adorned and all the stones and all the gifts that was dedicated to God and all along about verse 6 the Lord began to speak as for these things that you're talking about as for these things that you're seeing the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another they will every one of them be thrown down and you read that and you think my goodness wow what are you talking about Jesus Things like this doesn't change. This is a magnificent building. This building was erected. It took so many years and so much stone and 
so much labor and all of this. It's not nothing going to happen. They admired this temple. Understand the people of that day. They admired this temple for this, for this grandeur look, this architectural look, and its expansive decoration. The temple was impressive not only for its beauty, but for its size of this building. Matter of fact, some even say that the, that the stones alone were almost the size of boxcars. Some theologians would say it's 67 feet long, 18 feet high, and 12 feet, uh, uh, 18 feet wide and 12 feet high. That's a big rock, is it not? The temple was impressive, covering about one-sixth of the land area of that ancient day of Jerusalem. The building complex, they said, was nearly 500 yards long and 400 yards wide. I mean, it's a massive structure. And Jesus remarks about the devastating of this, of this, of this building to this group of guys. For the temple of, was the heart and the soul of their worship of that day. It was the heart and soul. And for somebody to say something about that would be just beyond their imagination, beyond their understanding. Let me stop here and tell you, do not ever put your trust in man today. Don't ever put your trust in a building today. You need to put your trust in an almighty God today. He'll raise up kings and he'll put them down. He'll raise up buildings and he'll put them down. It doesn't matter how you and I feel today. God is still God of the universe today. God is still God over my life today. God is still in control today. Amen. Hallelujah. Remember this gospel passage. As I said, follows right after this story, this wood is mine. I want you to see something here. When Jesus was comparing her giving, everything that she had with the giving of the rich man, who in fact, history tells us, gained his wealth by devouring widows, so to speak. Houses, which had been made the widows destitute in the first place. This temple might have looked good on the outside. Y'all don't miss this now. But on the inside, was corrupt. This temple area that was so magnificent. Let me stop here long enough and remind you, didn't, you remember the Bible says about your temple, right? That you are the temple of the living God. But in this particular day, in instance, Jesus was trying to get him to understand something. I want to tell you something. It may look good on the outside, but on the inside, it didn't look so good. How's your temple today? Man, I've come dressed up in my little suit, my little black shoes on, and my little shirt. Now, I understand I may not, this, you may not agree with everything I'm fixing to say, but hopefully you'll agree with this one statement. I look pretty good. Just trying to draw a conclusion here. But it don't matter how good we look on the outside. What matters is what's on the inside. Come on, somebody. Doesn't matter what we say or what we do, what kind of face we may put on. On the inside is where God is going to look. When you stand before the Lord, He ain't going to look at how your hair is parted. He ain't going to look at the clothes on your back. He's going to look at your heart. He's going to look if you if you really served Him or not. Amen. This building here, this magnificent building, may look good on the outside, but rotten on the inside. In other words, this temple system was falling apart, yet most could not see it of that day. 
This nation that was once founded upon Christian principles that you and I live in today has become a nation who simply does not know God today. And many times they don't see God of what we are talking about today. Could it be that God is raising us up one more time to give you and I opportunity today before he comes to serve him and to return to where we need to be? Could it be possible today? All of this grandeur and beauty might impress you, but Jesus, in essence, tells them it's going to all be thrown away. It's going to be thrown down. The fact is, we know it in 40 years from this day, 70 A.D., most of Jerusalem will be destroyed. And I imagine from the disciples that the disciples were not expecting this response. And they listened because this, this wasn't the first time that, that Jesus talked about the world ending to them. Matter of fact, questions begin to arise. Questions that the disciples had that probably you and I would have as well. Questions like, Lord, when is all these things going to take place? When are these things going to take place? How will we know when, we, when these things take place? What sign do we need to look for? As a matter of fact, it's a question that, that people are still asking today. When is the return of the Lord? What signs are we needing to look for before Jesus comes? What do I need to do in my life? What do I need to get right in my life before he comes after his church? And will there be a time, a little pause, if you will, that I can just run to the church and give my heart to him about five minutes before? Question we need to ask ourselves. Jesus, in this scripture here, he doesn't, in Luke, he, he doesn't really answer directly to these disciples. Their question instead, he, he paints them a picture. And he tells them things like this. He says, well, there'll be nations that are war against nations. I think we're there. There'll be earthquakes. I woke up this morning, there was an earthquake that I read about. There'll be some insurrections. There'll be famines and there'll be plagues and there are dreadful things that'll take place. And it's easy to hear this text and either be overwhelmed by this text or, or even just to ignore it because it scares you slapped to death. Just ignore the thing. But I imagine that many of us have wondered, is our world falling apart from time to time, right before our eyes? We are still living with many of the effects set up by leaders in the years in the making of economic crisis and job losses and war and terrorist attacks and on and on we can go, not to count earthquakes and hurricanes and tsunamis. All of these things that are taking place. And if not, it's not only the world that seems to be falling apart. What are you talking about, Pastor? When you look at the whole worldwide Christian church, you wonder sometimes what's going on. I told you a few weeks ago that I've read over the last few weeks and months that there are some pastors and mega churches in our land that they don't talk about the blood anymore of Christ. Don't talk about the cross anymore. Don't talk about those things. They're too gory. They're too, cause too much division. So we'll talk about those encouraging things. We'll talk about those things about have a good day. Hope your day goes well. Look on the bright side of things. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'll tell you something. Our whole Christian basis today, if it's not covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, if it's not founded upon the cross, every one of us had to go by the way of the cross in order to be here today. Every one of us. If we do away with all of that, why are we here today? If we do away with all of those things, why are we even sitting here today? Why are you even listening to me today? But can I tell you, just, just, just as bold as I can today, 
Thank God for the cross of Calvary today. Yes, it was cruel. Yes, it was ugly. Yes, I didn't want to look at it. But thank God that the blood of Jesus Christ has purged my heart today. He has set me free and he's cleansed me today that you and I could be here today. Amen. And some who call themselves Christians are denying the the authority of the scripture. And some are denying the deity and the saving power of Christ. And some don't talk about the blood as we said. Some just deal with those encouraging things that tickle the ears of their listeners. Listen to me church. When doctrine and truth are abandoned you don't get liberal Christianity. You have a whole, you have formed a whole new humanistic kind of religion today. Thank God for the cross. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. So how do we act as followers of Christ in these trying times? How do we act? How do we act? Do we go home and pout? Do we go home and put our thumbs in our mouth and suck it till it's all wrinkly? What do we do in these trying times? I want you to notice that the real focus of Jesus' words is not on the end of the world itself. Understand this. It's not even on the signs that accompany it. The focus is on what it will mean to the followers. That's us. We're followers of Christ, are we not? What it's going to mean to the followers of Christ. The disciples want to know when is the thing going to take place. They want to be in the know, if you will. Instead, Jesus tells them what not to do when these seasons come about. What not to do when these changes take place. What not to do when kingdoms come down. What not to do when they find themselves on trial, when they're persecuted. I need to tell you this morning that this is the part of the sermon that probably feels the most distant to us. At least those of us who were born born and raised in the United States. Because most of us today, we don't understand what it feels like to be persecuted. We think we do, but we don't have a clue. But it's not the case in every part of the world. But all we... But we all know that in a small and in sometimes big ways, following Jesus will often put us at odds with the values of the world. There'll be times that'll happen. And at times the values of our friends and even our own families will be at stake. The truth is our faith is on trial every single day of our life. What are we doing with it? And we are most acceptable to fail when tragedy and stress comes to call. So what do you do? What do you do? Jesus says this is what he told his disciples. He said this. He said three things here. He said, do not be led away by false prophets. Number one, do not be led away by false prophets. Number two, don't be terrified. Don't be scared. Number three, don't prepare your defense in advance. Say, Pastor, what in the world? What has that got to do with us going to heaven? You think about it just a little bit. In other words, he's telling us, number one here, don't, don't be led away by false prophets. Don't be anxious about those things that you're hearing. The Bible already told us in the, in the last days, there'll be many that will come and call upon me. He told us there'll be many that even say that I am. Matter of fact, just two weeks ago, I watched a, I watched a little documentary on television about this guy, I can't remember this guy's name, that, that claims to be Christ incarnate. He claims to be Christ that has been reincarnated. He claims to be, he's the one. And he's got a mass following of people. Think about that. A mass following of people. But the Lord says, don't be anxious about these things. Don't respond about those things. He says, don't be terrified. In other words, don't be so quick to look for quick fixes. It is what it is. The Lord's word is still God's word. His coming is still true. Amen. He's still on the throne. He ain't left the throne. He ain't on vacation. 
He ain't left somewhere where I can't find him. All I've got to do is kneel down or just stand where I am, suggest, is call on his name. And his word tells me he's faithful and just to hear me today. Amen. All we've got to do is cry out, Abba, Father, and he's always faithful. He's always there. He ain't left the throne today. Amen. He's still God. He says, don't prepare your defense in advance. In other words, don't become defenseless. Don't become defenseless. Yet, sadly, when you think about this, when the world is falling apart, most people, whether they be Christians or not, they end up doing the exact things that the Lord told us not to do. Amen. We become anxious. We get those quick fixes to lift our burden. We worry excessively. And we seek in our mind a defense. Now, here's the big one right here. We seek in our mind a defense or a retribution against those who have caused us hurt that we're experiencing. And I don't mean to be insensitive right here, but I'm going to tell you, we waste a lot of time doing that. I understand we get hurt from time to time. I get it. Been there myself. You have too, every one of us. We've been there. But I've got to be careful not to waste my time on things like that because it'll create things in me that I don't like. It'll cause things to set up in me. I don't like, Brother Adam. I don't like that bitterness to set up in me. I don't like that, that anger and that hate to set up in me. Amen. It causes a lot of time, and, and we seek these things. And, and I imagine it's what congregations end up doing from time to time. It's what denominations do from time to time. It's what many have done in America from time to time with riots and, and since election after election, screaming, he's not our president, rioting, burning, causing a chaos in all kinds of cities. When, we will, when will we ever learn? We've got to come together. We've got to have unity together. Matter of fact, I know that's probably what some of the Congress members are doing and Senate members are doing. Any institution, when they face hard times, it's what we tend to do at times. But the question that the Lord poses here to disciples and to us is not how are we going to react and survive. It's what will your witness be? That's what he told them. What is your witness going to be? What is your witness going to be? When times are trying, and they will be, what's, what's going to be your witness? And Jesus, Jesus uses the word here, opportunity. Don't you notice this? He uses the word opportunity in these verses of Scripture, and he says that, that all of this, the crumbling of our worlds, the trials that come with it, will give you an opportunity to testify in Luke at the end. You, 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 he'll give us an opportunity to testify. Usually when we think of an opportunity, we think it's something good. Usually when we think of an opportunity, we think it's something new. We speak of an opportunity to try to learn something new, or an opportunity for a new job or a new call, all those, those things. And we say things like, well, that's a good opportunity for him. That's a good opportunity for her. We don't usually think of earthquakes as an opportunity. We don't usually think of wars as an opportunity. We don't usually think of trials as an opportunity. We don't usually think of those things. But Jesus does, and he wants us to testify Pastor, what are you talking about? He wants us to share our story with fellow man and fellow girl. He'd share how Jesus impacts our lives, how he's transformed us into this new creation. Listen, my Bible says, in the end times, you'll have all these things to take place. They're going to take place, but testify about them. Use them for your good. Use them for your good. Luke 21 and 10 says this, nation's going to rise against nation. Kingdom's going to rise against kingdom. There'll be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilence. There'll be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. 
But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, deliver you up to the synagogues and prisons, and will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for a testimony. Amen. How's our testimony today? What kind of testimony do we have today? It goes on to tell us about the destruction of Jerusalem and the coming of the Son of Man. And along about the 27th verse, it says, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and glory. I'm still looking for that day. I'm still anticipating the Lord Jesus Christ splitting the eastern sky and coming back on a cloud with power and healing in His hands. Amen. And when these things begin to happen, my Bible says, Look down, look mopey. My Bible says just don't act like you you know anything. My Bible says just stay in the house and bunker down and hunker down. No. My Bible says lift up your head for your redemption draweth nigh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift up your head. Lift up your head. Lift up your look back look at your neighbor and say lift up your head. Get your head up. Lift up your head. Redemption draweth nigh. Woo. Hallelujah. Let me ask you a question. How many of you believe Jesus is who he says he is? To testify means to point to the real foundation on which you and I stand. That's our testimony. Pastor Danny, can you live for Christ on Monday like you can on Sunday? You better. <laughs> can you live for Jesus on Friday and Saturday night like you can on Sunday? You better. Can you live for Jesus when everybody around you is living for the devil? You better. Don't, don't, don't get all upset because of all these things. For the followers of Christ, that foundation is love and mercy that was revealed in death, the life, and the resurrection of Christ. And it's ours today. It means to stand on the promise of that love no matter what the world has laid before us. Amen. No matter what. Musicians, if we will come. Jesus, Jesus says, do not prepare your defense in advance. Now think about this. Don't prepare a defense to combat those who's injured you. Don't prepare a defense of your pain. Don't prepare a defense against those who've hurt you. Jesus is saying, be on guard. Be prepared. Be ready to testify. Be ready to testify. Be ready to witness for me. God will give you the words of wisdom. Matter of fact, I believe it will be words so powerful and full of grace that your opponents will be unable to withstand those words because you're speaking about the Master. Amen. Why? Because our testimony brings forth words of flow, not out of pain, not out of, not out of anger, but it brings forth words out of flow, out of love. Bring the words of love. And these are words from one transformed and saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, hoping to get somebody else saved. That's good news. That's good news. Jesus gives assurance to the disciples on this day. No matter what the world does around you, no matter how bad it gets, no matter what, what the times are, no matter what the seasons may bring, Jesus, to whom you witness, will see that you do not perish eternally. We've got a home awaiting us. Amen. That outshines the stars. There'll be no need of light there because He is the light. Be no locked doors there because everything's going to be all right. Jesus. Jesus. We have called to have endurance in times of trial. And as for Luke, 
He tells us in chapter 8, verse 15, that endurance means holding fast to the Word of God in our hearts. And if you're going to hold fast to the Word of God in your heart, you've got to get it in there first. You've got to hide His Word in your heart that you want might not sin against God. And there's another word that we talk about a lot here lately called faith. Everybody say faith. Faith is that gift of God that He gives us through the Holy Spirit. Faith is that promise of new life that is given to us through the Jesus Christ Himself. The Son of Righteousness, Jesus, who died, rose again. Who brings healing to the weary. Salvation to those who testify. Witness. It speaks and tells that, that Jesus is the Savior and the Lord of our life today. And so, along with Daniel, along with Luke, we can say this same thing. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever and ever. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever and ever. For wisdom and power are His. He changes the times. He changes the season. He removes kings and He raises them up. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Can I just leave you with this thought? Just simply two words. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. With every head bowed and every eye closed very quickly all over the house. I want to ask you something today. Do you still know that He knows? Are you still assured of the fact that He knows? Are you sitting here comfortable today because you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that He knows. He knows. He knows what you're going through. He knows the things that you're facing today. He knows the things that you're dealing with today. He knows the things that our nation is under today. He knows those that are in charge. He understands all of that. He's got it, he's got it all under control. He knows. And even though the disciples, God, when is these things going to take place? What's going to be the sign of the time of your return? God, how will we know? The Lord said, let me tell you something. The only thing you need to know is you be, be, be on guard. You be ready. You be encouraged to the fact that I'm coming. Don't be so quick and so anxious about things. Don't prepare no defense because you've got your feelings hurt. Don't prepare this thing because things isn't just going your way and you're having a bad day. But in other, in a, instead, look to me. Look to me. Look to me. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, very quickly, if you're in the house today, you say, Pastor, I need to give my heart to the Lord. I've put it off long enough. I've put it off long enough. Because the truth is this, church. He could come tomorrow. Matter of fact, He could come today. So we've got to ask ourselves, are we ready? Are we ready? Should Jesus come today? So thankful last week we had two to give their heart to the Lord. But what about today? Is there anybody that needs to give your heart to the Lord? Is there anybody that's lost today? That doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Is there anybody in the house that would be so bold and say, Pastor, there's just things in my life that I need to get straight before I leave this house today. Because if it's you, won't you please give your heart to the Lord? You say, Brother Danny, do I have to come down front? No, 
You don't have to. But I will tell you, you'll make a public declaration of your faith if you do. People will begin to pray with you, love you. It's a bold statement, I know. But if Jesus went to the cross for you, why can't you walk the aisle for him? If he died for you, if he shed his life for you, if he gave his life, he shed his blood, why can't we just walk the aisle and give him our heart and surrender everything to him? Very quickly, I don't want to hold you long, but if you're here, I just want you to get up and come down. There'll be people here to meet you. There's some things in my life, Pastor, I've got to get straight. I don't want to leave without straightening things out before the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that you? Is that you? If you don't want to come by yourself, grab a friend, grab a neighbor. Let them come with you. But just come. Answer the call today. Answer the call today. Thank you so much, Abigail. Thank you. Is there anybody else that want to come? Is there anybody else who wants to come today? You just got to get some things straight. Gotta, I've got to do some, got to make some changes, Pastor, in my life. Got to make some changes. Is that you? Would you come? Would you come? I want to ask you to stand today. And I want us to pray with this one that has come down. And then we'll let you go. But while I'm praying, if you decide to come, please come. Please come. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. How many knows that you're a friend of God? How many knows that He cares about you? He knows exactly where you are. The old song says, We've come this far by faith, trusting on the Lord. We've come too far to give up now. Amen. The race is almost run. Don't be anxious. Don't be fearful. Don't plan your attack strategy. <laughs> God's, God's got it all under control.